Hello everyone, it's Miss Studebaker here. I'm so happy to be bringing you Tiger Talks. This is definitely the coolest thing that I've ever done, so I'm pretty excited. We'll be reading The One and Only Ivan by Katherine Applegate. I'll be reading about 10 pages at a time because this book is not broken up into chapters. Along the way, I'll be having some awesome guests on the podcast that you might know that will read this book to you, so it won't just be me every time. I encourage you to put some headphones on if you have any, get comfy, and let's get started with The One and Only Ivan by Katherine Applegate. With the permission of HarperCollins Children's Books. It. Kinyani ambles towards me. She taps me on the shoulder and Knuckle runs away. I watch her, her arms crossed over my chest. I'm careful not to make a sound. I'm not sure what we're doing. She ambles back, shows me, and dashes past. And then I realize what's happening. We're playing. We're playing tag. And I'm it. Romance. Make eye contact. Show your form. Strut. Grunt. Throw a stick. Grunt some more. Make some moves. Romance is hard work. It looks so easy on TV. I'm not sure how we'll ever get the hang of it. More about romance. I wish Bob were here. I could use some advice. I try to recall all the romance movies we watched together. I remember the talking, the hugging, the face licking, but I'm not very good at this. It's fun trying, though. Grooming. Is there anything sweeter than the touch of another as she pulls a dead bug from your fur? Talk. Gorillas aren't chatty like humans, prone to gossip and bad jokes. But now and again, we swap a story under the sun. One day, it's my turn. I tell my troop about Mac and Ruby and Bob and Stella and Julia and George, about my mother and my father and my sister. When I'm done, they look away, silent. Kenyani moves closer. Her shoulders brushes mine, and we let the sun soak into our fur. Together. The Top of the Hill I've explored every nook and cranny of this place except for a hill at the far end where workers have been repairing a wall. They're finally gone. They've left behind fresh white brick and a mound of black dirt. While the others laze in the morning sun, I want to explore the hilltop. They've been there before, but I have not. Everything is still fresh to my eyes. I take my time going uphill, savoring the feel of grass on my knuckles. The breeze carries the shouts of children and the drowsy hum of bumblebees. Near the top of the hill is a low-limbed tree, the kind of my sister would have loved. The wall is endless, clean and white, stretching far down from the habitats beyond my own. It's high and wide, carefully built up to keep us in and others out. This is, after all, still a cage. It rained last night, and the pile of dirt is off to the touch. I scoop up a handful and breathe in a loamy smell. It's a rich brown color, heavy and cool in my palm, and the wall waits like an endless blank billboard. The wall. It's a big wall. But it's a big pile of dirt, and I'm a big artist. I slap handfuls of mud on the warm cement. I make a handprint. I tap my nose with my muddy finger. I make a nose print. I slide my palms up and down. The mud is thick and hard to use, but I keep moving and scooping and spreading. I don't know what I'm making, and I don't care. I make swoops and swirls and thick lines, figures and shapes, light and shadow. I'm an artist at work. When I'm done, I step back to admire my work. But it's a large canvas, and I'd like to get a better view. I go to the thick-limbed branch and grab the lowest tree. I try to swing my legs. Oof, I land hard. I'm too big to climb, I suppose. I try again anyway, and this time I pull myself onto the first limb, gasping for breath. 
One more limb, two, and I can't go any further. Perched halfway up the tree, I see my troop still dozing contentedly. I take in the wall, splattered and splashed with mud. Not much color, but lots of movement, and I like it. It feels dreamy and wild, like something Julia might have made. From my seat in the tree, I can see beyond the wall. I see giraffes and hippos. I see deer with legs like delicate twigs. I see a bear snoozing in a hollow log. Then I see elephants. Safe. She's far away, belly deep in on tall grass with others by her side. Ruby. She's here, Stella, I whisper. Ruby's safe, just like I promised. I call to Ruby, but the wind tugs at my words, and I know she'll never hear me. Still, Ruby pauses for a second, her ears spread wide like tiny sails. Then, with lumbering grace, she moves on through the grass. Silverback. It's a cloudy evening, chill and drizzly. Dinner is on its way, but I don't care. At night, we sleep in our den, but I'm always the last to head inside. I've been inside long enough. This time of day, there aren't many visitors, just a few stragglers leaning on the wall that separates us. They point, take a couple photos, then head over to the nearby giraffes. One of the keepers is beckoning. Reluctantly, I turn to go. But out of the corner of my eye, I see someone running, and I pause. It's a girl with dark hair lugging a backpack. A man follows behind, racing to catch up. Ivan! The girl yells, Ivan! It's Julia! I scramble to the edge of the wide moat that skirts the wall. Julia and George wave to me. I dash back and forth, hooting and grunting, doing a gorilla dance of happiness. Calm down, says a voice. You're behaving like a chimp. I freeze. A tiny, nut-brown, big-eared head pops out of Julia's backpack. Nice place, Bob says. Bob, I say, it's really you. In the flesh. How? Where? I can't seem to find the words. George's job at the zoo doesn't start till next month, so he and Julia made an agreement. She's walking three extra dogs to cover my food, and get this, they're all poodles. You said you didn't want a home, I say. Yeah, Bob says, but Julia's mom likes my company, so I figure I'm doing everybody a favor. It's a win-win. Julia pushes Bob's head back inside her backpack. You're not supposed to be here, she reminds him. Ivan looks great, doesn't he, Jules? George asks, stronger, happier even. Julia holds up a little photo, but it's too far away for me to see. It's Ruby, Ivan. She's with the other elephants now because of you. I know. I want to tell her I saw with my own eyes. We stare across the expanse that separates us. After a while, George pats Julia's arm. Time to go, Jules. Julia gives a wistful smile. Bye, Ivan. Say hello to your new family. She turns to Dad. Thank you. For what? For, she gestures towards me, for this. They turn to leave. The lamps that light the zoo pathways blink on, blanketing the world with yellow light. I can just make out Bob's little head sticking out of Julia's backpack. You are the only one and only Ivan, he calls. I nod, then turn toward my family, my life, my home. Mighty Silverback, I whisper. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to this beautiful, amazing story about the one and only Ivan. I have been so grateful that I've been able to put together this podcast for you. And so I just want to say thank you to you. Thank you to um, all of our guests who decided to spend their time to read to us. We love you. And hopefully we'll be back with more episodes of maybe a different book but signing off for the last time, thank you for listening to The One and Only Ivan by Katherine Applegate.